0: Welcome to Impact and Freedom with your host, Jason Feldman.
1: Welcome to Impact and Freedom. I'm Jason Feldman. And today I couldn't be more excited to have the incredible Scott Herman with us. Uh, He's a fitness entrepreneur. You you probably already know who he is, uh, but I I have to do this just just in case. Um, He's built a fitness empire, uh, a community of Hermanites. We'll get a little bit more into that. I'm, I'm excited to dive into that. And he is followed by millions across multiple social uh, media platforms, and he's even ventured into uh, Game Franchise, and I'm so excited to talk about his journey. Welcome, Scott.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Jason. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm
1: super stoked we connected online, as a lot of people uh, do these days. Um, it's amazing just- uh, how many more friends you make when you just leave your DMs open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's inc- it's incredible. I'm actually I'm I'm going to be speaking uh in a little bit to a bunch of um a bunch of insurance agents ab- about social media, and it's crazy to me how many connect, how
0: much real life you can create from the internet. Oh yeah, you know, and, and you know, as I as I've been always venturing off and doing my thing on social media. I always found it so surprising that people just will make it so hard to get in contact with them. Right. It's like, here's my business email and nobody answers the business email or Twitter and there's no direct, there's no DMs open unless you're friends and then, you know, and then they'll do a post and they'll get like two or three comments. One of them being yours saying, Hey, let's connect. And there's never a reply. Right. And then those same people wonder why they never grow in social media.
1: Why, like that? That's like such a great point. Like, why is there's such there's such a disconnect? I think with social media, maybe it's the way it started. You know, like you know, the I think MySpace. It has,
0: I think it has more to do with when, because on social media, a lot of people want to have like I don't know, for lack of better term, it's like a celebrity status, right? Like, yeah. I want to be so important that I'm hard to get a hold of, and that might work if you're Tom Cruise, okay. Um, right. But for the average person, even if you have a couple million followers on TikTok or Instagram, I mean, there, there's so much business left on the table, even friendships you know, that you'll never, you'll never get to make just because you're not accessible. You want to be 100%. as accessible as possible because we now live in a world where you are so easily replaced. There's 100%. about 200 other people that would be more than happy to do what you're doing and do it for far cheaper if they had the opportunity. Right. Yeah. And and it's
1: almost like I think people take for granted the window that we're in. We are definitely in a window. I mean, we've seen it throughout the years. It does get harder and harder. There's more and more noise out there. So um, we're truly blessed to be in a window of where we can create a little bit of noise. We can we can reach people at the end of the day. That's, you know, in, in any business, we want to reach people. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. You nailed it, man. Yeah. So I I would love, I I can't wait to dive into your story because you have uh, humble beginnings and you've really, I guess you've really leveraged the opportunity a lot more, just like we were just talking about, you know, responding to DMs and I'm Mm -hmm. sure there's a lot of that. Uh, I mean, you're still doing it. So let's, let's go through that story. I'd love to, I'd love to hear it.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) my story is, My story is kind of funny and all over the place. Um, I actually had, I just met somebody at my gym the other day that was asking me like how I got started and if it was possible for them, you know, to do something big like I did. And I said, Hey man, like I'm just a a kid from a small town. I grew up uh, in between Salem, New Hampshire and Lawrence, Massachusetts. And if I can do it, I feel like anybody can. Right. And it it literally just comes from having this willpower to want to succeed no matter what. Um, And, I feel like it's very important, especially at a young age to you know have hobbies and have, have things that inspire you. So for example, like I played a lot of sports growing up and obviously I'm big into fitness, but I never really watched sports on TV. I never got into it, but I was always into video games and comic books and cartoons and anime. And, and a lot of those types of, of um, content, especially in anime you know these characters they have these really big dreams and it and they let nothing stop them from accomplishing those dreams in fact i don't know if you've ever watched uh, one piece but i've been re-watching it from the beginning um the english version english version of it but the main character luffy you know ever since he was a kid he said he's gonna be king of the pirates and everyone just laughs in his face and then he just gets stronger and stronger and stronger and despite every hurdle that he has to go through i mean he isn't king yet, but he's pretty damn close to being the strongest in the world, if not already is, uh, with the release of Gear 5. If you're an anime nerd, you know what I'm talking about. But, <laughs> you know, I, I've always kind of surrounded myself at a very young age with the, these visions of grandeur. And just, you know, when I was a kid, I was very introverted, right? So, what even got me into working out was the fact that I was picked on and bullied, you know, at school for being kind of quiet. I had, I had my friends obviously, right? I had a great childhood, but you know, I was a target for bullies because I was very introverted. And my thought process wasn't, if I got big and strong, I could beat the crap out of the bullies. My thought process was I could get big and strong, beat the crap out of the bullies and also protect my friends. Mm-hmm. Right. And so even like, and that was like the superheroes that I worshiped, like Superman and Captain America and Wolverine were my favorites as a kid. And so <clears throat> that kind of led me into working out. Uh, I started, uh, doing, uh, working out my, my, in my basement at my dad's house. I found all his old weight equipment. He had, he had like those old school shitty, like cement filled plastic, you know, weights. Oh, yeah. You ever, you ever <laughs> yeah. see those? They, like, they totally. like disintegrate after five or six years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and all I knew how to do was bench press and bicep curl, right? <laughs> so just like, just hitting it hard. And, Like I said, I did sports growing up, and so um, on the wrestling team when I was 14, one of my friends on the team, Ryan, uh, he knew that I was into weight training, and he's like, hey, I'm working at this local Gold's Gym uh, three hours on a Saturday just cleaning, doing maintenance, and I get a free membership, and I was like, awesome, I could ride my bike to that gym, and so I started working at this local gym for, for three hours every Saturday cleaning stuff um, to get a free membership, to go there and work out during the week and after school. And, you know, obviously that elevated my knowledge based on working out. It was no longer just bench pressing and bicep curls. It was a little bit of everything. And, and you know how, when you're the young guy at a, at a gym, like when you're especially at that young of an age, all of the, you know, adults, they want to help you. Right. So yeah. everyone's like, ah, oh, Scotty, get over here. Let me show you how to do this.
1: That's awesome. I mean,
0: yeah, like my, my workout partner was this guy, Mike, who's still a, a dear friend of mine now. I mean, his whole family is like family to me. And I remember he's just as big as a house. And he would have me doing like when I'm 15, 16 years old, you know, you know the seated overhead tricep extension when you hold the dumbbell behind your head. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I call it a power bomb. That's what he called it. So that's what I called it. And he would literally make me do it with a 120 pound dumbbell, right? Mind you, I could probably barely do it on my own with a 40 pound dumbbell, but he's just this big dude. So he's like, all right, Scotty, let's go. And he's just like doing most of the work, but he's like, let's go, let's go. And he would just push me so hard. And what that really did was it just kind of put it kind of broke that limiter in my brain Mm. of what I thought was possible and what I could actually do, right? And yep. it's so funny because even to this day, that's my number one favorite exercise in the gym. And I can, no matter if I haven't worked out for months, grab a hundred pound dumbbell or or hundred and ten pound dumbbell and just nail some reps. And my workout partner is always like, "How are you so strong in this exercise?" And I said, "Well, <laughs> I just had to tell them the story of Big that's Mike so training funny. me." And um, I'm I'm also very uh, meticulous with anything that I do. Um, If you could see my entire room behind me and how I have my collectibles all over the place, you'd be like, okay, yeah, this kid has problems, but everything is so well organized. In my family, we were always taught, you know, if you're going to do something, do it right the first time. And I've been lucky enough to grow up in a family where, you know, my dad knows how to do everything, right? Whether it's working on cars, working around the house, um, tech stuff, like he just knows how to do a lot of stuff. And so myself and my brothers grew up never really afraid to dabble with things. Right. And then also too, like we had our chores and if we didn't do them perfect, like if I didn't clean the, uh, you know, the living room correctly and, and instead of dusting around all the, the picture frames, if I didn't take them all off and then dust and then put them back, I had to go redo it. Right. So wow. when I was cleaning in the gym, I mean, I was, I was an animal. Like I was climbing on top of the cable machines and, and just scrubbing like all the places you couldn't see. <laughs> the owner so of the club, awesome. uh, this gentleman, his name is uh, Dave, Dave Dos Santos, you know, he kind of saw that I had this really great work ethic. And so he started taking me under his wing. And by the time I was 16, 17 years old, I was running the front desk, I was making shakes, I was signing people up for memberships, and I just started doing um, a little bit of everything. And it was also around that time that they moved from a smaller location to a bigger one. It was like a 65,000-square-foot facility that they had built in the middle of Methuen, Mass. If you're listening and from that area, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, now it's called – well, it was it was Gold's Gym, and then it was Latitude Sports Club, then it was Boston Sports Club, and then I think it they, they went out of business. Uh, it was like a year or two ago. But, I mean, it was there for a long, 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 long time. Um, but I got to be a part of the process of building that club. And so kind of added another layer of, um, education on my end on like how to build a club, how to organize the machines at that point, I already knew how to take them all apart and put them back together. Cause I just would fix everything, um, at the first place myself. Uh, it's so funny. I just went to a brand new crunch gym, uh, down the street from where I live right now. They just opened. And I'm using a few different machines. And I went up to the the general manager. I'm like, dude, this machine's missing bolts. This is gonna break in a week if you don't fix (laughs) it. And the guy just brushed me off, like, okay, dude. And what happened a week later? Machine broke. Cable machine broke. I was like, bro, I literally told you this shit a week and a half ago, but you didn't care, you know. And then I, you know, whatever. We'll get into that later. Uh, (laughs) Stuff like that bothers me because I'm like, dude, you literally could have went down the street to Ace Hardware, got the bolts and fixed that machine before it broke, you know? But um, anyway, so we, we build this gold's gym and then I turned 18 like a year later. And you obviously you can't be a personal trainer until you're 18. Um, I was already training my friends and, you know, some people before I was 18, but officially became a trainer when I was 18 years old. And that's when I started to really build like really great relationships with a lot of my clients. I was training all these different people and, one of my clients whose his name was um Scott Proposki he had a a company called photos in a minute and at that time i was also starting to get into like modeling in boston and i was trying to pursue you know modeling and acting and all that stuff and uh scott it's funny his name is scott i'm scott so it might get confusing so <laughs> scott was like hey man um he go he was going to new york city a lot and he was doing all these different events for like the sopranos and men's health and Um, where basically they would have parties and his company photos in a minute was literally, you would take a fun photo, the background would change and it would, it would spit out the photo in a minute. So everyone at the party could take cool photos and then actually take them home. Right. And he's like, Hey, I need help. You know, lugging all of this equipment around the city, going to these events. He's like, do you want to start doing these with me? And I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. And so I started going to New York city with him, helping him with these events And that's how I got hooked up with Men's Health Magazine because they actually had a contest, um, Best Abs on the East Coast. And I entered and ended up winning. And that got me a modeling contract in New York City. So now, um, you know, 18, 19 years old, uh, I'm training people. Actually, I'm sorry. At that that point, I was 22. Sorry, I was a little bit further. Um, I was training people in the gym all week. I was actually going to school, you know, going for my business degree at Merrimack College, and then I was like hitting New York City every other weekend trying to do these modeling gigs. Right? I don't even know how I did it, honestly. It was just—it's like crazy. a four-hour drive just to get to New York on the weekends, right? So that got me in the magazine for Men's Health, and then I, even to this day, I'm still in their big book of exercises uh, awesome. for like. For like chest and abs, if you if you can dig up that book at like a Barnes and Noble, go to the chest section. You'll see, you know me, you know <laughs> when I was like twenty two, twenty three years old. That's awesome. Um, I was the first person to have three pull out posters in one year for Men's Health magazine, so that was really cool. And I just kind of started getting into the business side of things. And during that time, I had another client. Her name was Holly, Holly Early, and I had been training her for about you know, four or five months and she was, um, super into like reality TV shows and things like that. She's like, you should try out for the real world. And I was like, no, dude, that show is stupid. I don't (laughs) want to go on a dumb show like that. That's she's like, you have to do it. You have a personality. I'm sure they would love you. You're, you know, you'd have a lot of fun. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then literally she just like told me to do it for months. So I finally just gave in and I sent in a video submission, right? But if I'm going to do something, like I said earlier, I do it. I'm going to do it right. And so one of my best friends actually did videography. And so we put together this whole video. And I'm really good at leveraging opportunities. And so I'm like, well, I just had best abs on the East Coast for Men's Health Magazine. So I'm like, well, let's let's film this video. We'll show me like with my family, at school, with friends. And then we'll kind of wrap it up with me winning best abs on the East Coast. Right. And so. That was the. I have the video back over here in my closet. I'll have to show it to you later. It's so That's cheesy, awesome. but awesome. <laughs> so I sent That's it in. Awesome. I sent it in that I kind of just forgot about it, right? And it was about a year and a half, I think, later that I got a um, an email back from them. And at that point in time, I had moved to North Attleboro, Massachusetts, because my friend, uh, Dave, that I had worked for since I was 14, Built another club there called Answer is Fitness, which for those of you who've watched my YouTube videos, you're probably saying, oh, that's the gym in all of your early videos, Answer is Fitness, because I would show the sign. So this is even before all of the YouTube stuff, right? Wow. So now I'm down there at this new club, which I helped build, and I'm actually running it as the general manager for the, head, the front desk and the personal training office. And I get an email uh, from MTV saying, hey, you know, you made it to round two. And at first I'm like, what the hell is this shit? Like, is, <laughs> it is a scam, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I opened the email and I'm like, oh yeah, he sent in a video. So I call Holly. Hey, you're never gonna believe it. I got a follow-up because you know, I was in, I was in uh, North Attleboro, Mass, and that was Methuen like an hour and a half away. So I wasn't training at the time. I was like, oh, I got this, you know, thing. I'm gonna f I'm gonna follow up with it and see what happens. And so it was just like really long questionnaire I had to fill out. And, I mean, even at that point in time, I immediately knew they were looking for a personality, right? So as I'm answering the questions, I'm answering them in a way, you know, that I, mean, that I would answer them, but I'm, I'm trying to be fun on, in a written form. And I remember one of the questions was, if you had Aladdin's lamp, what would be your three wishes? <laughs> and I, I, I forget exactly what I said for the first two. I know I obviously I threw superpowers in there. Right? Who wouldn't? Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure I probably use money for one of the wishes. But for the third wish, I said, and for my third wish, I go, anyone who watched the animated series of Aladdin knows that once he set the genie free, they did cool shit like every day. So I would just set the genie free on my third wish and then That's we would awesome. do cool, ge- cool genie shit all the time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all
0: right. <laughs> And so um, that got me on, uh, you know, to round three. And then round three was like a Skype interview. Round four was an in person. Um, it might have been an in person, yeah, in person meeting uh, in Los in Los Angeles. Um, and then round five was another in person meeting. And it's a whole crazy story we can get back to about that where I, I got stopped by like seven police cruisers and almost shot. Um, we can get back to that later. Wow, <laughs> it was just it was a misunderstanding, but. <laughs> it made a great story for when I had to go back to my, my second interview in person, because on the way to my first interview, one of my friends from college, Lily, she lived in um, LA and she drove me and her car ran out of gas. And I was like pushing it down the highway. And I was like two no hours way. late to my first interview. So like the first in-person interview, they're like busting my shit because I was two hours late. And then um, when I came back, for my second in-person interview, the the lady who was interviewing me heard, she goes, Oh, I heard what happened to you the last time you were here. And I was like, Shit, wait until you hear what happened when I left. And I got into that whole story. <laughs> so, you know, we can say we can get into that. Well, I guess I can tell it really quick right now. Yeah. Basically, um, I left, you know, LA tired as hell from pushing this damn car down the highway for like two miles. And I'm on this train because I was staying in San Diego. Uh there was a, a convention there called Ursa. It's a like a fitness convention for like selling equipment. And I'm like, I have on a, like a strap backpack, a cross body backpack, and it has a pocket in the front. And so I had my iPod there and I put on my music and I'm like, I can see the hotel. I was staring at them the Marriott Marina or It was something called something like that in San Diego. I'm like, I can see it. I'm just going to, when this door opens, I'm going to run as fast as I can in that direction. And then I'm going to take a shower, crash, and I'm out. And so I start, as soon as the door opens, like it wasn't even all the way open on this train. As soon as it got like barely open, I was just gone, right? And so I'm running down the street as fast as I can. And I make it like five minutes down the road. And all of a sudden, I get like seven police cruisers roll up on me, guns drawn. And I'm like, holy shit, right? So I'm like standing there, my hands up, and then I, I, I kind of like put my hand in my pocket and they're like, put your hand. I'm like, I'm pausing my iPod. I can't hear anything, right? Should've just probably taken the headphones out, but you know, <laughs> I wasn't thinking. I had guns in my face. And so the police come over and they handcuff me and they're like, you know, searching me. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And they're like, oh, so a bunch of people called in saying someone matching your description was seen loading a gun. And the only thing I can think of is when I was standing in front of the door on the train and I was adjusting my backpack and pressing play on my iPod and just getting everything ready, some stupid people thought I was loading a gun. (laughs) So, yeah. So, um, so the guy is like searching me or whatever. And then they're trying to search. I'm talking to one cop and the the cop behind me is like trying to take my bag off and it's a shoulder strap bag, right? She's like yanking on it. And it's like hitting my handcuffs. I'm like, dude, like it's not gonna pass through the handcuffs. You're gonna have to uncuff me and, and take the bag. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm not gonna run away. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> so, um, anyways, so obviously there was a big misunderstanding. And the police officers I was talking to originally they asked me, they're like, hey, you know, what 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 were you doing in Los Angeles? I'm like, Oh, I was there for a job interview. Like I didn't even bring up the show or anything like that they're like, "Oh, okay, whatever." And so after it was all done, the the police officer that I was speaking to was like, "Hey man, he's like, you know, you were just like really nice. Like you weren't giving us any shit. You just followed directions. Most people would kind of just flip out if something like this happened to them." <laughs> right. And you see those videos all the time where people like get stopped and they and they have an attitude. Like if you just do what they say, 9 times out of 10, you, they'll they'll be happy and they'll take care of you, right? Right. So now the cop is getting a little friendly with me and he's like, oh, so like what job are you interviewing for? And I was like, oh, actually, I, I was I'm on round six for going on the real world. So I was doing my interview They're like, oh, that's so cool, whatever. So we're talking about that. And I was like, can you guys give me a ride to my hotel? Like, I'm just so tired and like, sure. So like I jump in the back of the cruiser and this is like when Superbad just came out. I'm like, so come on, guys. Do you like put the lights on and just go through all the reds or what, what's up? And they're like, yeah, we can't do that.
1: <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing.
0: Yeah. So we roll up to the Marriott. Um, this like super. It's a super nice Marriott in San Diego. And they just like let me out of the back of the cruiser. And they're like, have a great day. And everyone's like, what the fuck? This kid just came out of the back of a cruiser. <laughs> anyway, That's so, so like that was insane. Uh, and then I, I told that story when I went back for my interview and they were just like, what the hell, where we find this kid? Yeah. Um, and apparently I didn't blink the whole time I told the story because the woman was like, you did not blink for the last 10 minutes. So we <laughs> and I told her, I said, how does it feel to be on the nervous side of the interview? <laughs> 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 oh, man. So that's like my life leading up to that point. And then, of course, you know, I went on the show, uh, the Real World Brooklyn that was an amazing opportunity. I made lifelong friends on that show. And uh, they actually called my season, for those of you who haven't seen it or don't even know what the show is. is They take uh, eight people, put them in a house together, and you kind of – well, for us, for our season, we were the first season where there wasn't a team job. We were all pursuing like modeling, acting, dancing, show hosting in the city. So we would go into the city every day, and they would um, document that. And so that was great. And I learned a lot about being on camera because you're on camera being filmed for three months straight. So you get used to that, right? And you have to do confessionals every single day about what went on that day. So there was a lot mm. of responsibility there. And then after the show ended, I moved into the city and I was still pursuing modeling and acting. And that's when I started kind of making YouTube videos. Because at that point, I have not worked in a gym for about a year and a half, two years. And I was starting to miss just teaching people fitness. And so I just started- What year making- was that? uh, 2008, 2009. Okay. Yeah. Like right, right in the beginning of 2009. Nice. And so I I started making my videos just because I missed working with people, right. And, and training people. And it was so funny because I would try to go to like the crunch gym on 14th street, New York. And like every gym I went to was kicking me out. Cause they did not want me filming. Like imagine, imagine today going in a gym and then being like, Hey, you can't film. You're like, Oh, uh, right. What? Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. (laughs) So back then it was so early that I either was getting kicked out of gyms or people were looking at me like I was just some narcissistic, you know, idiot filming myself and they had no idea I was even doing education stuff. But What ended up happening was after I started posting some videos on YouTube, the head of that department at Google in New York city was watching my season of real world and saw my videos and he reached out to me and he's like, Hey man, you can actually um, make a living doing this if you're consistent. And so like he brought me to the Google offices and he, I saw the whole thing. And he goes, No way. He's like, There's no promises, right? But if you create good content and people subscribe, you know, eventually you can make decent money doing this. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And so I stayed in the city like another month or two, and I was doing my videos in my hotel, in my um, my little dinky apartment. Um, And then one thing that I was doing that really helped me build a solid community is every single day I would go back to video one and I would answer every unanswered comment and I would go through all of my videos. So it got to the point where I had like 20 or 25 videos and it would take me like six or seven hours to just start at video one and find all the unanswered comments or all the people that responded to me from me answering their comment. And then just rifle back. And I mean, and and you're not getting paid to do that. That's just community building. And that's Mm -hmm. why I said in the beginning, like, dude, keep your DMs open because you never know who you're going to meet and and who's going to impact your life just from having these conversations. Um, But then I decided, like, you know, if I really, really want to take this thing to the next level, I got to move back home out of the city. And it was tough for me, too, because one of the main reasons why I did the real world was because I wanted to do one of the challenge shows because I love fitness, obviously. And they right. had asked me to do the challenge. And I was I was literally stuck with this decision. Do I do the challenge? Or do I pursue YouTube and and try to make a career out of this? And I didn't do the challenge. You know, I want to do it so bad. I'm like, you know what, I think doing the YouTube stuff is going to be much a much better opportunity for me for the long term. And so that's what I did. And I I kind of gave up on that on that dream of doing the the challenge show, so I moved back home, went back to the gym, um, started working there again um, as like a co general manager. Well, it's you know the, it's a family gym right at that point. Like it's me and my all my friends I grew up with, and then my buddy Dave owned it. So I'm there, co GM, you know, doing the nighttime shift, and then I would work until ten, lock the doors, and I would film videos uh, with two of my clients, Cliff and Tom until like one in the morning, right? Like it was like a rich like two or three nights a week, Cliff and Tom come back to the gym at 10, and then we would film videos all night long. And it was crazy back then because there was like no algorithm, right? Like I could film these videos and just upload them all at once to YouTube and they would all do great. So it was cool. That's awesome. Uh, and then that led me to being the head trainer for Lionsgate. They had a YouTube channel called BeFit um and so i did a lot of like those dvd workout series with them i did a lot of content for their youtube channel um i did a lot of movie integrations with them for like the expendable central intelligence day after tomorrow uh that was really cool uh they got me in a in a movie uh, it's called heist you might have seen it, it has um robert de niro dave batista jeffrey dean morgan uh and mark paul gossner in it it's like a yeah i remember that one yeah, yeah. So I I have a small, a very, very small role um, on camera with Mark Paul Gossamer, and I'm a SWAT team captain. (laughs) Oh, cool. My head shaved. Yes. I, people to this day are like, dude, I just watched this movie Heist. Is that you? I'm like, yes, it is. That's awesome. (laughs) So that was cool. And um, I mean, from there, I just, you know, I was the first person to ever get a supplement sponsor with, you know, the supplement sponsor was BSN uh with with them for like the last thirteen years. But I was the first influencer to ever get any sort of supplement sponsorship, right? To the to the point to where the original athlete manager, his name was Brandon, you know, I, I showed him my YouTube channel and what I was doing. And at that time I had like four thousand subscribers, which is nothing nowadays, but back then it was a lot. And he's like, his exact words were I don't know what you have, but you have something. So let's Let's start something, right? That was like how it all began. And so, um, you know, I also worked at bodybuilding.com. I think my home program uh, that I filmed a couple years back is still one of their top programs called Metabird 90. It was an awesome program to film. Actually, if you go on um, Instagram and type Scott Herman, my stickers pop up that say, let's get started. And that's Uh from that program. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. And then, yeah, I just, you know, I, I just kept building the business, building the business, have around 3 million subscribers, um, you know, thousands of videos on platforms all over the world, different countries. I mean, different languages. I mean, I was just in Greece on a family vacation about a month ago on this tiny island of Dallas. We did a boat trip and I was exploring the ancient ruins and I climbed to the top of this mountain. And I was walking down and the one other person walking up was like, dude, are you Scott Herman? I watch your videos. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that that was that's pretty much what led to, you know, my fitness career. Uh, And then about three years ago, I had someone uh, get me into crypto. And they they're like, hey, buy this token. It's called Shiba Inu token. And I was like okay. So I just bought some and then it just friggin' like skyrocketed. And I was like, I Holy crap. That. There's, there's some craziness. And that was during the bull run. So obviously like everything was doing well, but that token became like the number one token ever it hit like a $41 billion market cap. And I did really well with it. And that kind of piqued my interest. And so I started diving into crypto and I made a separate YouTube channel more or less to kind of like, that's how I learned. Right. Yeah. When I do my fitness videos, I do a lot of research to make those videos. So I figure, well, if I do a crypto channel, that'll force me to really, you know, dig deep and learn as much as I can and make content about it. What ended up happening was started joining live streams of other uh, popular crypto YouTube channels, but I would join on my Scott Herman Fitness handle. And nine times out of 10, they'd see me comment and be like, dude, Scott Herman, I watch your videos growing up, how to bench press and how to squat when I was in high school, when I was in college. And so I kind of got indoctrinated into crypto by people who just grew up learning how to exercise watching my, my content. And um, after about my first year, I started to realize that you know there was a big opportunity there, but its biggest opportunity was in gaming. Because in mm. gaming, whether you're a gamer or not, you understand, you know, asset ownership, right? If you're playing a game on your old school Nintendo and you turn it off, like the game is done, right? And you can't sell any of those individual assets that you might have collected, whether it's different characters or skins or weapons, right? Mm, yeah. But in, in crypto, all it really means is when, when you're playing a game and let's say you're playing like Fortnite, for example, and you buy a skin for your character, like a different outfit, maybe in season one a few years back, you couldn't sell that individual skin. But if it was an NFT, you could. And just think about like toys. The original G.I. Joes are worth so much money. Why? Because they don't make them anymore. But you can physically hold it, which means you can sell it. So in Mm -hmm. a game, when certain items become very popular and more people are playing the game, items that are very rare and hard to get all of a sudden have value and it's value you can now extract because I can actually sell it to you and transfer, you know, this asset, this digital asset from my game to your game. Right. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. I love
1: the way you just broke that down. Cause I, I was one of those original Nintendo nerds. I, I remember getting the original Nintendo with the gyromite, yeah. the gyromite thing. Oh yeah. Rob uh, the robot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I see like like my kids playing uh, Minecraft and like trying to collect, you know, get the coins so that they can get the new skins and all that stuff. So I, I could see that
0: that would be huge value. Well, imagine your kids playing Roblox, right? Right. And rope. I mean, parents spend so much money on Roblox for their kids. And what's going to happen one day when they're like, I don't want to play Roblox anymore, right? It's like all that money mm. is just in the trash. Right. But what if you could get back like, maybe 10 cents on the dollar by and just putting all that stuff on the market on the secondary marketplace and then people are buying it up now at least you're getting some of your money back and when i when i explain it like that to parents they're like oh that makes sense they they might actually force their kids to play the games where they can resell the stuff just because they know they'll be able to eventually maybe get some of that money back or You know, maybe your kid, you know, breaks his iPhone charger and he's like, dad, I need a new iPhone charger. You're like, sucks for you, kid. You know, go sell one of your Roblox and then you can buy one. Now you're teaching your kids response, like financial responsibilities. Right. Yeah. And also just just collecting. You know, I mean, I see you have a lot of stuff behind you. I have a lot of collectibles behind me. A lot that you can't see, but collecting is a big part of gaming. And, you know, people who play games like Diablo, like my neighbor plays so much Diablo. He's always showing me, you know, all these runes and weapons that he's getting because he grinds these really hard dungeons. And I was like, dude, imagine if you could just sell that right now to somebody for like a hundred bucks of real money. He's like, that'd be sweet. It's like, well, that's what NFTs are. And so I, I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit, but basically I, I met up with this company called Wag me Games. And it was the first company I ever talked to that I felt had a future. Because at that point, I'm a year into crypto. Um, I've made a lot of friends. I, I learned a lot. But a lot of companies were just like, they had great ideas, but they had zero experience in building a foundation and also scaling and also marketing and all of those important things that, I mean, you don't have to have those things to be successful, but it's <laughs> It definitely helps a lot if you have a little bit of experience, right? Right. And so I talked to these guys and my business partner Costas, who, by the way, was my 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 right hand man on Scott Herman Fitness for about eleven years because we chatted on on the comment section of my videos. That's how we met. Actually, last oh, wow. week we were kind of reminiscing because uh, now he's a co-founder at WagMe as well. He found the like our first interaction. Um, on facebook of me reaching out to him because he was very smart like he was he was answering people's questions before i had a chance to right Ooh, and so
1: i would nice. know like,
0: in a good way yeah
1: yeah yeah and no so it's i genius. reached out
0: to him i was like dude you know uh it's very obvious to me that you're very smart and, and you know what you're talking about do you want to help me out and he was like sure and it just that's how our relationship started and here we are 13 years later now we're co-founders of a mobile mobile game that's that's in the app store that's gaining traction like crazy like who would have thought this path would have led to here right so cool um, i've talked a lot i'm sure you might have some questions yeah (laughs) you know what i love about your story (laughs) from day one it
1: was opportunity there wasn't an opportunity that you didn't take um and then and then it then becomes the part of how do you get opportunity well you know, Scott had it easy because of this, and it's like, dude, you worked your butt off, and you were. Meti- I love what you said early on in my notes. Here is uh, how you were at the the gyms and getting meticulous with with cleaning it and and fixing it. People don't do that. Like the general popular, they don't go deep. It's sub- something that I call peeling the onion. People usually are on the surface level of doing things, doing yeah. or even thinking, where it's like, peel the onion, like how can how can we do this better? How can we do more? You know? Um, which led opened a door, which opened another door, and then you just you just walked in the doors. Like you you took the opportunity, but people recognized the extra time that you took and care in the things that you pursued.
0: Yeah, and you know, and it's not always just about the main quest, right? Like there were there 100%. were a lot of side quests that I didn't even get into that I was also pursuing. I mean, um when when I was young, I was mowing lawns for like 10, 15 bucks trying to make money that way, right? When I was really young. And then when I was a sophomore in high school, me and my best friend actually started a DJ company. And we were DJing like all the kids' parties and graduations and, you know, proms. And we were, then we started doing weddings and things like that. We ran that business for like eight years together. And it only really disbanded because he moved to Arizona. And I, I was, you know, getting into, you know, what I told you about building the gyms in North Attleboro. Um, I got my real estate license and I was dabbling in that for a while too. And just, it's just constant pursuance of, I guess, not even just to make money, but just knowledge of, Hey, if this doesn't work out, I have this, but what ends up happening and you, and you realize this, and this is something that it you can't really understand it until you get older or until, you know, you've put some miles down because it's when you look back and all of a sudden all those things that seemed random now fit together like mm. this intricate puzzle. So for example, um, you know, we do a Twitter Space for WagMe every Wednesday, and we call it WagMe Wednesday for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, our CEO Ian was talking last night on there, and he was giving me a bit of praise. And he's like, you know, Scott is just has this like dumpster of useless information that is now all relevant <laughs> to what we're doing here now in gaming. Because again, I I'm a huge anime nerd. I love cartoons. I love comics. I love like, you know, family guy, South Park, Simpsons, like, and yeah. I have a, my memory, like I remember everything word for word, right, right, line for line, and so a lot of times we'll be in like meetings, and we'll have an idea, and be like, oh yeah, this one time on South Park, blah, 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 and they're just like, how do you remember this shit, like, <laughs> that's but, awesome, you know, so we actually just did a, um, a, a revamp of all our 12 main hero characters in our game. Um, and we worked with a company called GadgetBot, and GadgetBot is like the number one AAA graphics design studio in the world. They do Transformers, they do Jurassic World, uh, Ender's Game, Pacific Rim, Alita: Battle Angel, and then the games they've done are you know Apex Legends, Apex Legends Mobile, Call of Duty: Black Ops, Borderlands Two, and wow. so um you know we're we're redoing our characters, and I've actually been posting. Now that the characters, we're releasing them one a day. Today is actually day eight of 12. So there's already eight other videos on our YouTube channel. And I'm showing the process of their, like our original character and then GadgetBot's original sketch. And then all the variations of the character until we came to the final version. And I joke, cause I'll be talking to Alex, who was the, the lead project manager from GadgetBot. And I'll be like, dude, you remember this? episode of you know whatever anime and this character and this and, and he's knew, he knew exactly what i was talking about so like getting the message across of how i wanted certain characters to look or uh maybe certain like weapons or designs for them to have again all of that information that ones that seemed useless is now really coming in handy when i talk to people in the gaming space because also in the gaming space especially in web 3 it's really easy to be seen as like, a, I guess, a poser is the right word, right? Like, oh, yeah, you're into gaming? What games do you play? Oh, I played like Mario once. It's like, no, okay, right. you're not you're not a gamer, right? Right. What's your KD ratio on Call of Duty? What's a KD ratio? Okay, you're talking yeah. to the wrong guy. You got you to gotta walk the walk and talk the talk. But um, yeah, so it's just been so interesting looking back on all of that experience. And then I'll tell you what, man. A lot of the times I'll have a meeting, you know, like uh we were doing a VC raise and so I'm having all these important meetings with people bringing in funds for for the project and I swear to god like after 5 or 10 minutes of being on a call they be like dude, I think you taught me how to work out when I was in college. No <laughs> so, way. So like I'm having all these meetings and I'm talking I'm having meetings with people like in Hong Kong and Singapore, uh Australia, New Zealand, And they're like, dude, oh, I know you. You're the fitness guy. What The hell are you doing in gaming? right. (laughs) And it's like the whole conversation changes. And so even though I haven't been as laser focused on fitness content, I mean, I'm still posting on my YouTube channel, all of that, the last 13 years of hard work and determination and, you know, never being a sellout and always staying positive and true to what I wanted to do is paying off in a totally different genre in a totally separate business is it's crazy it it is crazy and it's like and i think a lot of people
1: you know might get might stop because they want to find the niche for them to get into and it's like dude like to your point of all of this stuff that you know maybe teachers would have been like dude what are you doing wasting your time on video games and cartoons like yeah. like but now it's like like being authentic to who you are and just posting and just getting out there and creating relationships because that's all it is. People watched your content. You filled a need, but then they also liked you. They're like, Hey dude, this guy's pretty cool. Like, you know what I mean? I can relate probably on some level. And then later on in life, you connect with them and it's like, they already have that connection. Kind of
0: what's so funny is, um, so we we built we worked on our project. So we're, if anybody's wondering, our website is wagmegame.io. We're a tower defense mobile game, right? And how uh, do you
1: how do you spell that?
0: Uh W A G M I, game cool. G A M E dot i o. So Wagme is an acronym called "We're All Going to Make It." You've all probably heard that before. And so we took that acronym and kind of just made it our own. Um, but what's so funny about what you just said is. Our first year of building, um, like I said, the the core team originally it was four. Now it's six, including myself and Costas. You know, they knew how to build a foundation. They knew how to do marketing. They've had a lot of, of success in previous businesses, right? So I was like, okay, this is a good team. All they're really missing is someone like me who has the social media side, you know, and the network that I have. And so, um, when we built for the first year. We got the game because like, we had a company called Cubix uh, to build our game for us. And we got the whole in-game economy down. We got the characters down, the story, the lore. We launched a comic book with GameStop. Like, all that stuff was great. I was like, okay, now it's time for us to bring on some like real talent from Web2. So guys that worked at EA or Respawn or Bungie. And one of the first people we hired was this guy. His name is Brent Pease. And he was the general manager at EA and the director of operations. So like it doesn't get wow. any higher than that, right? Right. And so um, one of our co-founders, Lewis, was the one who reached out to him. And you know, they're chatting back and forth. And Lewis is like, hey, here's the team. And then so Brent's like, why is Scott Herman Fitness on your team? <laughs> right? No way, that's so So awesome. we have a meeting and he says to me straight up, he's like, I want to know why you're here because I've been watching your videos for years. And I just kind of like laid it out for him. Like, this is why I'm here. And, you know, obviously he agreed and saw the vision and then he joined the team. And that was like our first really big win outside of, you know, the Web3 space was to bring on a big name like that. And, you know, obviously that opened up his Rolodex and we've been bringing all these guys in that have worked on like top titles like Apex Legends and Arena Free Fire and all these different mobile games that were number one in the app store. And so like, it's just so crazy how, I mean, if you asked me two years ago, I mean, I I told my wife two years ago that I was going to do something huge in crypto. So if you asked me two years ago, I probably would have said, well, yeah, of course I said I was going to do it. So here I am. (laughs) 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 And that's a big part of my personality too. And it's hard for people to to be like that, Jason. And here's a little story I left out. So when I first started making my YouTube videos, when I moved back home to work at Answers Fitness... Um, my boss, the guy who I worked for since I was 14, Dave, you know, he, he started getting irritated with me spending so much time filming these videos because he's more of like a, an old school kind of guy. And he was just worried that I was wasting my time and, you know, I was going to fail. Right. Cause he cared for me like a, like a son. And he's like, he brings me in his office one day and he's like, you know, he's like these fucking videos, you're in here filming late at night and you get your shirt off and you know, whatever, whatever. And he's like, there's people out there that are bigger than you, stronger than you are smarter than you. Why is anyone going to watch your videos? And I, and we were, we weren't like yelling at each other, but we were just yelling like, you know how it is with family. Right. Yeah. And so he's like yelling at me, I'm in his office and I'm like. I don't know, Dave, but I'm gonna make millions doing it, and I, like slammed the door and left. <laughs> That's awesome because I didn't know how I was gonna do it at the time. I just knew it was a good idea, and if I just pulled at that thread enough, it would eventually unravel. And the same thing happened here. Like when I saw the opportunity, and I like just like how you just find it. Like for you, it clicked on owning your assets in a game. When mm. I finally understood that, I was like, okay, this is where I need to be because I see the same exact pushback here that I saw with YouTube back in 2009. People who got it saw the future. People who didn't get it, five or six years later, they got it, right? Yep. I love it. You're
1: playing the long game, like continually playing the long game, not looking for those quick wins that, you know, you know, quick gratification. Um, and I, what I love about your story is that, you know, the challenge would have been the easy Route right, like instantly you would be on a show that you love, yeah. But you're like that's going to be a a period of time where I'm looking at this where YouTube could be a long term thing, and that was prior, like, like you. Now we're talking about YouTube like it's it's YouTube, right? Yeah. But YouTube was not that back then. It was yeah. a post dating uh, video website, right?
0: So it's like yeah, man. So crazy. it was like right around literally i started youtube the same year twitter came out like 2009 wow.
1: yeah yeah that those were the early days that, that 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 i think it was 2007 that the app store on the iphone opened yeah so, dude I mean, it's
0: crazy how 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 long it's been
1: yeah it is crazy so i want to know like what are you up to now um anything that you want to uh share with anybody of I know you got some exciting stuff in the works. Some
0: you can talk about, some you can't, and I'd love to. to yeah, hear hope, a bit. Ho- hopefully I don't get in trouble for this because <laughs> we we <laughs> I'm under the understanding that this episode is going to air after we make this announcement. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so something that we we achieved at so so right now, where I'm at in my life is I'm still doing the fitness stuff. It's still fun, but. You know, I'm, I'm hundred, 110% building out my mobile game for me. I have actually my, my studio to film my fitness videos in my garage downstairs. I built a custom studio. I live in Florida now, That's so awesome. it's always there for me to film. And I, and honestly, now that I'm focused on wag me, I'm going back to the fitness content and I'm just filming what I want to film. I'm not filming what I think the algorithm's going to like. And that can be a whole separate conversation we have where a lot of the times you start out as a creator creating the content you want. And then, you know, YouTube does their algorithm thing and you find yourself leaning more towards stuff that's going to get views versus stuff you actually want to do. But, anyways, because now I'm so focused on WAGME and the fitness bit, I have, I have a website, right? muscularstrength.com. I have workout programs there. That all does well on its own. So now I just film content when I want, you know, about what I want and it's great. And for the mobile game, we just released our beta. So there's a closed beta right now. If you go to our website, you can sign up for it. Uh, It's Android only to start out with, or you can use a BlueStacks emulator on your computer. And the reason why it's not on iPhone yet is because we're the first web three game where you can actually make all of the in-game purchases with a credit card. So, most people wow. when they play our game, they won't even know that it's a crypto game. And that's part of the design because people are afraid of crypto. So like if you're playing our game and you buy like gems to upgrade a character faster, or if you buy a different character, the characters are NFTs, you're just buying them with your credit card, which is how it should be, right? Yeah. So that's that been is- doing really well. So we're on the first projects ever to make that happen, and our community is loving it. That uh, is and so then our cool. Our biggest announcement, which should already be out (laughs) before this (laughs) episode airs, is that uh, Alex Seropian, the co-founder of Halo and Bungie, is our lead advisor. And we are, I'm pretty sure we are the only project in Web3 and crypto that's been able to attract a name like that because, again, this space is so new. People don't understand it. You know, not everyone's lining up to put their name behind a project, you know, with crypto attached to it. So to get him on board and have him, you know, be excited to be working with us and, you know, helping us flesh out more of our characters and our storyline. And he's, he's going to be a big, big part of what we do for our second game because we're a gaming franchise. Our mobile game is our first game. He wants a huge hand in that. And we're aliens versus humans, right, in the year 3022. So I'm sure that was one of the reasons why he gravitated towards us because the story's cool. Characters are super cool. But, yeah, having Alex um, join us was a huge, huge win. And it was so funny because I did a post on Twitter um, talking about, like, how excited I was for the characters, reveals that we were doing, and how it's so cool to see people play your game. And then, um, he actually left a comment on my tweet and, you know, we haven't announced him yet. So I was hoping people wouldn't like figure it out. Cause I mean, if you just see his name on Twitter, like you, you don't know who the co-creator of halo is. Right. Unless you know, unless you know, it's Alex Ropin, you're like, Oh, okay. That's just a guy commenting on Scott's tweet. Right. I was talking to my friends and I'm like, how crazy is it to, you know, be working with someone whose game you grew up playing right yeah that is so wild dude yeah and that's like a massive game
1: well dude congrats on that like that is so huge um i love what you're doing with in that space too cuz it's like we're like that post dot com bubble bursting phase with crypto where it's like now it's actually becoming like people are making like what you're doing is like making it actually useful by you know putting it more in the background where it's like you're using it more utility based Mm -hmm. and making it easier on the end consumer. So that's, that is, that is awesome, dude. I I love everything that you're doing. It's, it's so cool to see um, somebody that's had this like ingrained in their DNA for you know, for this long, a lot of influencers, which I hate that word, but like a lot of influencers, it's just like a, flash in the pan, it's not like an actual career.
0: Yeah where yours piece in
1: the limelight. Yeah.
0: So speaking, cool man. Speaking of that, I I may or may not be on another reality TV show coming soon. Oh, that's awesome. Congrats. <laughs> well that's all I'm saying about that because <laughs> that could be anything because right, that's true you know <laughs> if, as long as i leave it, it it could be hey it could be something like you know there's many avenues that could go down i'll let you all wonder on your own <laughs> um but yeah there, there, there's some more exciting things coming for us so we're pretty pumped that's
1: awesome man well thank you so much it was a pleasure to have you thank you for taking the time out of your day i know you're busy dude so um really awesome to connect man
0: Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me and pleasure meeting all of you on the podcast.
1: Thank you.